1: Hello and welcome to The Transfer Window, the podcast that brings you the news before it becomes news as well as insight and analysis to all the subjects you're talking about in football. I'm Ian McGarry and with me as always is Duncan Castles. We're delighted to say that today we'll be talking about Pep Guardiola's new contract at Manchester City and the possibility of Leo Messi coming to the Etihad. Of course, the reason we're delighted is because we brought you that news exclusively before, well, just about everyone else uh, on Wednesday's podcast. So um, we're kind of uh, pleased to be fulfilling our duty to you, our listeners, in terms of bringing you first all of the news in football. Also, we'll be talking about Liverpool, about Jose Mourinho and his first year at Tottenham Hotspur, and uh, a lot of other things as well, including, of course, the Dunkey Award, because it is the second pod of the week. We start dunking with Pep Guardiola, who, um, it was confirmed, has signed an extension to his contract at Manchester City, Uh, We did discuss this, as uh, mentioned on the earlier podcast this week, with regards to City keen to tie him down and also by offering the carrot of signing Messi in January, uh, having failed to do so in the summer window. Um, No details have emerged elsewhere about Pep's contract, but of course, here on the transfer window, we get the information and we pass it on to you. It's our understanding that Guardiola's contract has been increased from his original 70 million euros payment per annum to 22 million euros, which is effective immediately, uh, and certainly over the two-year extension which he has agreed to. However, that two-year extension is dependent on Guardiola taking up the extra year as an option. So, therefore. He will certainly continue if he chooses to until 2022. But there is a break clause in that contract where he can leave uh, before that final year, uh, which is validated on both sides. As a way of counterbalancing the possibility of Guardiola leaving, uh, Manchester City have inserted a bonus clause, a very substantial one, which is He would receive a full year's salary, that's 22 million euros, if he completes the two years. Um, And that uh, would be payable on completion of the contract on June 30th, 2023. It's also the case that his bonus for winning the Champions League has been increased. It was at 7.5 million euros, it's been increased to 10. Again, another incentive for the manager to not just stay uh, for the next year or year and a half, but also two years um, after this season, should they not win the Champions League in that time. Obviously, there have been promises made regarding recruitment. And as we reported on the transfer window, this had become something of a sticking point uh, before this week when the contract was finally agreed and signed. And that was because City were unable to tell prospective transfer targets and specifically the Tara Martinez at Inter Milan that Guardiola would be the coach in the coming years. So, Duncan, City have solved two problems uh, in one this week. Um, Good business for them in the sense that uh, they have tied Guardiola down um, albeit, I think, tied down in Guardiola's case, is a, let's just say, um, negotiable <laughs> situation with regards to what he might want to do. But also, um, given players and transfer targets, as they go forward, um, some kind of sense of there will be uh, a dynasty. And I think also we should mention Duncan That Kevin De Bruyne, as we know, is in the middle of contract negotiations to extend his contract. And at 29, it would be, you expect, his um, last big contract as well. Uh, And therefore, this seems to be uh, a very good negotiating platform for City regarding players, Messi being the obvious one, um, Martinez, De Bruyne, as well as uh, the fact that they hope that they have secured some security and certainty um, in terms of the managerial situation. Yes, I
0: think uh, this is it's very important for Chiqui Pergiristan, Ferran Soriano and Abu Dhabi um, to have this issue put to the side after um, the negotiations that went on this week and, and convincing Guardiola to sign a contract. They don't now have to look for a new manager um, and They can, when they're discussing recruits, which is still very important to them, say Guardiola has just signed a new contract. We have them tied down to 2023. Don't worry about that side. It's particularly important for Manchester City because this is a club like no other. They have committed and built their structure entirely around this man to suit what he wanted, first to get him to the club and then um, to keep him happy at the club. And, you know, interestingly, Pep Guardiola, one of the first comments that was released from him after... He, the news of his contract was made official, was him saying, I have everything I could possibly want to do my job well and I'm humbled by the confidence the owner, Chairman Ferran and Chiki have shown me to continue for two more years after this season. Actually, someone told me a good story this week about the, <laughs> quite the lengths City and Abu Dhabi have gone to to keep Guardiola happy. Um, he discovered that Liverpool had a, uh, a paddle court at their training ground, which um, Jurgen Klopp was using and the story was that we're using it in some you know, kind of training regime. It's a, it's a very popular game in Spain. Obviously, Jurgen Klopp was a, was a big tennis player and, and he enjoys playing it. And Guardiola discovered this and, uh, and said to Abu Dhabi, why don't we have a paddle court? Liverpool have got a paddle court. We need to get one to aid with our training. Uh, and almost the same week, they started building one at the training ground for Guardiola and um, the extent to which it's been used in training is quite questionable, but it's certainly been used a lot by Guardiola and his pals um, for entertainment during their time at the club. That's the just a, just a little vignette about the, the extent Abu Dhabi will, do, will go to to keep him happy. Um, I think also... You've got to pay attention to what was was said here. Um, we told you about the problems they were having convincing uh, Guardiola to sign. And actually the 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 interview he gave after signing is one of the most one of the strangest one I've seen in that um he talks about the the long talks they held this past week together and says we put both sides to continue or not. And in the end, we decided that the best for all of us is to continue because we still have the feeling that there is unfinished business and still there is something to do. Um, So you have him saying that the discussion that we had before signing this new contract included a talk about whether it was better to part ways or not. That's not what you normally hear when a, when a manager or a player has uh, signed a new deal. It's usually all oh, positive um, and not as honest as that. He also went on to say, the contract is a piece of paper. The moment this fire or desire recedes and I cannot give more and I cannot give the players the best I can to win more titles, I will step back. The club will understand. So that, That's effectively a paragraph saying, yeah, I've signed a three a two-year contract until 2023, but if I feel like I've had enough, I'm going to tell the club I've had enough and I'm going to leave and they will accept that. Again, not something you normally hear after a, a manager has signed a contract, but very much fitting with Guardiola's personality, very much fitting with his history at previous clubs. Um, and you know, if you talk to anyone who knows him, they will say hey, he's emotional and his, his his state of mind about the job can change quite rapidly. And uh, you'd be very foolish to predict that he will see a contract out in full um, when he signs those contracts because it, it will, it's not necessarily the case also I think interesting when he talks about how the club um, accept that they cannot do what they have done in this, his first four years in the job um, said we agreed to do 100 points or 98 points and win seven or eight titles in two seasons is almost impossible to do again and to win four titles in one season again is almost impossible we know that all the club but that does not mean we don't fight for all the titles so he's saying the job is harder and he's saying don't expect me to deliver in the fashion i delivered in that two-year period, 2017-18, 2018-19, where those records were set. He's also claiming he's won seven or eight titles in those two seasons. There's some interesting arithmetic going on there because across those very successful seasons, he actually won five major trophies and one community shield. And he's saying seven or eight titles in two seasons, his actual total across all four seasons he's been at the club is six major trophies two community shields, so eight in total. So there's a a little bit of um, inaccurate self-PR going on there in that interview, along with all the honesty about um, his uncertainty going into these talks, his thoughts about leaving the club and his uh, warning that although he signed a contract that runs till 2023, he might not necessarily stay until 2023.
1: I think, Duncan, the fact that he has um, a release, in well, a break clause, as we explained, in the contract for 2022 says that this um, is a contract which he is unsure about in terms of uh, completing it. But then Guardiola, as we well know, has never stayed any more than three years or four years at any club he's been at so far. This has been... His longest stay at any club in his coaching career. Um, he is susceptible to his own um, sense of burnout, um, which we saw when he took a sabbatical for a year and spent a year living in New York um, after leaving Barcelona before joining Bayern Munich. And I think a lot of people around him, uh, his closest allies, and people who Uh, he trusts, do think, that the pressure at Manchester City is such that his next move may well be to either um, take time out again or move to the MLS as New York City coach, which, of course, he has as an option in his Manchester City contract under City Football Group. Um, I'm interested, though, in the fact that there seems to be no coincidence, Duncan, that Leo Messi returns from international duty with Argentina and arrives at airport and says that I'm tired of being the problem at Barcelona. A very, very strong quote, even though reports and um, the let's just say the PR has been that. Oh, he's fine with Coombe and everything else. Therefore, there's not a problem there between the coach and the player, despite the fact that Messi was so publicly uh, determined to leave last summer. And as we revealed on the podcast earlier this week, City have made a massive play to get Leo Messi to sign in January and they're willing to pay. What would for some seem like quite a lot of money for players that contract contracting Good League for free uh, in June 2021? That uh, it seems to me that there is a certain, there's almost like a drama playing out here with regards to um, how that situation will be um, resolved. Uh, there's no reason why City couldn't afford nor would want. Uh, to get Messi in January, um, to boost the Champions League campaign, to boost their Premier League challenge, etc., etc. Uh, as we mentioned at the top of the pod, a lot of um, other news outlets and media have cottoned on to our story of Wednesday and folded up now with, oh, yes, they are going all out for Messi in January. Um, Not just Messi, I think there'll be other signings as well. And it seems to me that there certainly has been promises made because we know that Guardiola is someone who will certainly stipulate demands regarding his um, vision of what must be done at the club and how they reconstruct a team which has failed to win the Premier League last season. By no means are they short on talent and their squad, but certainly there's renovation needed.
0: Yeah, look, you can see from what Guardiola says about those contract discussions and, uh, and saying that the, the discussion was whether it was better to continue or not, that he had a strong hand to play in these negotiations. He has always um, been demanding as Manchester City manager, he's always expected to have the best resources and being furnished with the best resources during his period there. So it's not difficult to imagine Abu Dhabi, uh, Stan, Sorin Ferriano saying to him, what do you need to stay? What is the investment required? What do you want for the overall? Um, they have that double incentive, if you like, of not... Wanting to change the manager, wanting to retain Guardiola for longer because they had so much committed to him and invested in him. But also, can he help bring Lionel Messi to City? The prize that the player prize that Abu Dhabi have coveted above all others since they purchased the club. Um, He was involved in that summer bid, Uh, he was involved in, in the offer that was made to Messi of 700 million euros um, over five seasons, that being controlled by City Football Group with an option to go to New York City FC during that period. And you've just told us that the the option in Guardiola's contract to, to go to New York City FC after he finishes with Manchester City has been retained. Now, think about a scenario where Messi comes as planned Um, joins City, has that contract, whereas there's a provision to go to the MLS. It's not that hard to imagine the two of them going to New York City FC together. Should Guardiola decide, okay, I don't want a sabbatical after finishing at City, but I'll take the the equivalent of a busman's holiday and I'll go and live in New York again and coach in the MLS, uh, do it alongside Messi. If you want to make a splash, in American football uh, that tops even bringing Lionel Messi to uh, the MLS, then bringing the Messi and Guardiola as a pair to the MLS is that. And City Football Group would get the benefit of both of those. Now, that this is not to say that Guardiola will definitely do that. I, the regular listeners to the podcast of heard Graham Hunter who is a great student of Guardiola, Barcelona, um, talking about his belief that Guardiola's next job will be a national team job um, and that he believes that Guardiola wants to coach Brazil, national team, and win the World Cup with Brazil. So that is an alternative option to him at the end. But he's, he's retaining these decisions for himself and getting very well paid getting a big pay rise to stay at city having the a, a safe job to go to in a in a, a city he has enjoyed living in as a as an option should he choose to go that way or walk away from the whole thing and go and do something else he wants to do he's the he definitely comes across as the winner in these negotiations for all the benefit it has for Abu Dhabi and City to retain the guy. He seems to be the man with the power um, and the and the influence to, to get what he wants. Should he get Messi as well in January? And as you say, the situation in Barcelona is certainly headed in a direction where you can see Messi leaving either in January or at the end of his contract in the summer, he's making it playing once again with public statements that he is unhappy with his position and the way he's treated at the club. Um, You know, this is the the kind of culmination of the Abu Dhabi project. It's, It's spend the massive resources they have to have what they perceive as the top coach in the game and what they perceive as the top player in the game in the same city, working in the same football club. And finally, 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 Win the Champions League that they've coveted for so long, and which Guardiola has not even got close to delivering them.
1: Cigars all round, Pep. Thank you very much Um, in terms of your negotiating skills and tactics, I think, uh, with uh, the way that you have played this. I don't think it was any um, uh, harm to Guardiola with regards to uh, Jean Laporta, the former president of Barcelona, who is declared as a candidate to um, again be elected in the January elections uh, at the Camp Nou that he has publicly said he wanted to get back there.
0: Um, and other candidates as well, to be fair, Ian. Uh, the, you know, the, the candidates have been name-checking that Guardiola team, Guardiola, um, Iniesta, Xavi, all, all the big names, all the biggest heroes of the Barcelona fans as people that they should, they would like to bring back and should be brought back to the club to, to start a new era.
1: But as you said, Duncan, it's interesting that in Guardiola's comments regarding the contract negotiations, uh, with Manchester City, that there were long talks with everyone involved this week. So this seems to have been something which has been concluded quite quickly. On And, you know, is it, again, a coincidence that uh, we have several candidates for Barcelona president saying that Guardiola was a the man they want back? Is that a coincidence that Leo Messi is saying um I'm sick of being the problem at Barcelona, uh, and effectively, maybe it's time to move on. As we said on, on uh, Wednesday's podcast, the stars seem to be aligning for uh, Leo Messi, Manchester City, and Guardiola. Will they, however, Duncan, align this weekend when they meet with Josie Mourinho's Tottenham Hotspur, a team who have already thrashed? City's neighbours, Manchester United, 6 1 uh, this particular Premier League season. Um, City have not been the most consistent of teams, uh, currently 10th in the Premier League. And uh, looking at the Tottenham side on Saturday evening, who are very much on the up and up, second uh, in the table at this moment in time to Leicester City. And uh, also, um, with Jose Mourinho um, celebrating his first year anniversary as Tottenham coach, he took over uh, a year ago uh, with Tottenham in 14th place in the Premier League. Now they are second, and uh, despite the criticism, despite a lot of negativity, uh, some it seems to be the case. Um, Mourinho is turning people's heads and. Convincing uh, that uh, he is still got a place in the game at the very top because of his talent as a coach.
0: Yeah, look at the table looks nice for him at the moment. He he managed to get Tottenham to the top briefly um, in the last
1: set you of fixtures. Said, it was a very it was a very it was a great quote. It was only two hours, but it was good. Well, I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> two, two
0: hours for the first time in, in six years, I believe. That's team. That's correct. Yeah. Top of the Premier League. So he's, he's taken them from 14th when he took over a year ago to second in the league going into this game. He's five points ahead of, of Manchester City at present and ahead of he's top of the, the big six because Leicester City are, are currently at present um, leading at the table, one point ahead of Tottenham. Um, but that could all change this weekend. If he loses to Manchester City, Manchester City would be just two points behind with a game in hand. It's, you know, it's very early in the season to make these judgments. What you can say for sure is that the noises coming out of the Tottenham camp are extremely positive. Um, they've noticed the difference in the way they're being coached and the way they're being led. And there's multiple individuals talking about how he is focusing on and teaching them to be winners. And, you know, that's no surprise because that has always been the obsession of Mourinho. And one of the reasons for his success as a manager is that he wants to win everything and he wants to win immediately and he will sacrifice things to Get the team winning as quickly as possible. But the response has been good from the Tottenham players so far. You will say, okay, it will be good because the results are good. And, you know, that is football. But it's better to have a good response because the results are good than to have a poor response because the results are bad. And had the results continued to be as poor as they were in sections of that first period, he was in charge um, of Tottenham in that first year pre uh, the COVID. Break. He would be under significant pressure now. Instead, he is happy and he's confident and talking positively about the squad. He's going into this game doing the kind of things that we know Mourinho loves to do, and that he brought up the England national team and, and Gareth Southgate's comments about certain football club managers putting pressure on their players not to play for England and, uh, and essentially called Pep Guardiola out during his comment without mentioning Guardiola by name. Uh, on that matter, he said, I would like Southgate to say which are the coaches that put pressure on their players and which are the coaches he calls. He has the right to call the players he wants. He wants to win matches. And of course, we all know Raheem Sterling is going to play tomorrow. Raheem Sterling of course having missed international duty with um, what Manchester City claimed was an injury so a little uh, jab to to wind Guardiola up and to you know put a little bit of pressure on him perhaps to not start Raheem Sterling in the game to demonstrate he was actually injured and uh, and give Mourinho a tactical advantage in that game although I think we can expect Sterling to play the match. Um it's look. it's a sh- I think it's a shame we're getting this game at the end of this long international break. Um where the players have and the managers have very little preparation time for the for the game. So, I think Mourinho had his full squad training for the first time this afternoon and they play tomorrow evening. Um I think you can fairly argue that that is more of a disadvantage to Mourinho than it is to Guardiola because uh, Manchester City have more of a set way of playing. Uh, They vary their, their tactics less often than a Mourinho side will do and that's one of Mourinho's characteristics as a coach is that he will look at the opposition and set up game plans for that particular opponent and obviously if you have more training time ahead of a match it's easier to do that although he has been very good at implementing those tactics rapidly for given games in the past he can get the message across quickly but I think it's a shame we don't see them playing each other with the proper preparation period for both um It'll be a fascinating game to watch and see how Mourinho sets out because he has played very attacking football this season. The strength of the team is not the defence, the strength of the team is the attack, Um, albeit they are, with the pace they have in attack, they're very well set up to play on the counter attack, so that would suit his standard way of playing. but he is coming up against a manager who he has lost to more than any other in his career Uh, and a manager who has through his career managed to get the results more often in those games one way or another. Um, Frequently having better resources to play with, obviously, but he has, um, he does have that better record against Mourinho Uh, and um, look, the game will be fascinating. It's always very interesting to watch the aftermath of these games and how each of the individuals respond to the result um, because they're both emotional and they um, both quite often find it quite hard to restrain themselves when things go against them in important matches. <laughs>
1: Restrain <laughs> <who> themselves. <laughs> not, not, not a, a word I would use necessarily in relation to Jose Mourinho or Pep Guardiola, but uh, a lovely um, submission there, Duncan. Um, I would say that uh, with regards to the match itself, I agree with you um, that it's a shame that's coming on the back of an international break because you know, there is a lot of injuries and fatigue and travel. Uh, as well, involved ahead of such uh, an important game. Um, Interesting, though, Duncan, that several managers have come out um, in press conferences uh, towards the end of this week in support of the five substitutes uh, being reinstated, something we talked about on Wednesday's podcast, obviously, um, and saying that for player welfare reasons, as well as quality um, of football, that there should be a rethink regarding the Premier League rule um, reverting to three subs. Um, it just does it seem like common sense to you that that that's where we're at and, and why we should not be discarding it.
0: Um, look, as we've discussed before, I think I think there are arguments both ways. It is definitely better for player. Welfare to have the five substitutes rule. Um, it's not so good for the competition. It benefits the bigger teams uh, massively. It's not as good to watch. Uh, I don't like watching games with 10 substitutes. As um, Rafa Benitez was saying this week, he, he said he finds that when you have five substitutions allowed to you, a lot of those five substitutions are used to time waste rather than for um, tactical purposes or, or for the health of the players. Um, we've seen that Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp have been the most vocal about this, yet when they played against each other in the, the biggest Premier League game so far this season, they only used three of the six substitutes available to them. You pointed out that Individuals at, at lower level clubs have said, you know, if the big teams want to rotate their players, they want to reduce the physical demands on the players. They have the ability to do that by rotating their bigger squads more than we can do. They, you know, they don't necessarily need to have five substitutes to do it. They can rotate across games to reduce the workload on players. But you know, Guardiola and Klopp don't want to do that. They want to have their cake and eat it. They want to have the five substitutes to use when it suits them and take advantage of it. As one of our listeners pointed out during the week, it also benefits teams like Guardiola's and Klopp's who um, use tactical fouling as a fundamental part of their strategies um, because the more substitutes you can make, the more tactical fouls you can get away with, you almost never get sent off for a tactical foul, the first tactical foul or the first one you're you're carded for. Therefore, if you have five substitutes, you can do more and take the player who who does pick up a card for a tactical foul off uh, and let the new one come in and do it if you need to do it. So, there are arguments both ways. It's not great changing during the course of a season, but as you pointed out on Wednesday, the momentum um, because of the injuries we've seen and it very high-profile injuries, is that other Premier League clubs who had voted against this at the start of the season are coming to a point where they're ready to allow it to be reintroduced during the season, which will benefit Liverpool, which will benefit all of the big six teams who have to play European games and have larger squads.
1: This weekend also, I um, aside from Spurs versus Manchester City. We have top of the table, Leicester City. Um, We could have said Duncan a few years ago, that would be unusual, but of course that's not the case um, in the last three or four years. Uh, And also uh, they play champions Liverpool on Sunday this weekend. Liverpool themselves have been probably the biggest uh, losers in terms of injuries to their players in the international break, which has, uh, unfortunately for them, uh, supplemented injuries that they've um, had to withdu- uh, endure with regards to um, players being out beforehand as well. It's our information that um, the arrival, which was greeted with, of course, great celebratory uh, tones of Liverpool at the new training ground in Kirby earlier this week um, has a little bit of a downside for Jürgen Klopp and his football department. The reason for that is that the £55 million that Liverpool have had to invest into the construction of the new facility, which by all um, statements that uh, certainly I've read, and I'm sure, Duncan, you've read them as well, is uh, certainly world class and uh, very, very impressive. Uh, but however, there was a substantial down payment required on Liverpool receiving the effectively. If you buy a house, you get the keys. Same with the training ground, you get the keys. And um, to the construction firms uh, who built the training ground themselves. So this was implemented into. Uh, Liverpool FC's budget um, from last March and was always a case of when Liverpool spent money in the transfer market, whether it be in January or in the summer window, would have to be accounted for. So there is a certain gap, let's just say, between what the football department would like and what the accounting department and financial element of Liverpool um, would like to spend. And that is at the heart of a current debate regarding whether or not Liverpool can afford or will spend in the January window to make up for the fact that they have had the defensive injuries that they've suffered um, over the last four weeks. (sighs) This seems to me, Duncan, like a, a kind of classic, kind of, you know, bean counter versus uh, football department debate. But with FSG, as we know from experience, um, they are careful about spending. And so I don't think this is really that unexpected. <sighs>
0: No, um, obviously Liverpool, one of the first clubs, Premier League clubs, to try and furlough their staff in order to to save money through COVID, um, had to reverse that because of the pressure that was placed upon them by their own supporters. and, and Congratulations for Liverpool supporters for make, for stopping that from happening. Um, there, there's kind of an anomaly about Liverpool's books in that they have made very large profit over the last three years. Over the last um, three returns, they've had 207 million pounds of profit, but their actual cash um, inflow from that profit because of the way accounting works in football, amortization of players and when revenues come in is, has only been 29 million pounds net. Now, that means, and you'll see this on their books, on their books pre COVID, that they have a shortfall of cash on their accounts compared to other um, big clubs in the Premier League. And that, on top of COVID, with this training ground development, I think explains why, I should say, the Bean Counters don't want to spend the money. Jurgen Klopp desperately wants to spend the money. For obvious reasons, he's lost his two starting centre-backs and was short of centre-backs going into the season anyway because they sold Dejan Lovren. And um, the director of football, Michael Edwards, also agrees with Klopp that something should be done. I don't think this necessarily means A signing will not be made. Um, FSG can obviously step in here and say we agree with the manager, we agree with the director of football, who they have a huge regard for and sanction the purchase that Klopp and Edwards want um, with Diogo Pimacano being the the first choice um, in central defence and also wanted by a number of other clubs. So there's competition here. Um, You have a situation that Liverpool faced with Timo Werner in that they could lose a player that Klopp prefers for the position to a direct rival if they don't do it now. Um, But yeah, interesting situation. Also interesting to note, as you mentioned, the Leicester City match that um, Liverpool appear to have had the VAR official taken off the Leicester game, David Coote, who was the VAR for the Liverpool Derby, who made um, some ridiculous decisions which Liverpool correctly complained about to PGMOL asked for an explanation that the information from Liverpool is they, they still haven't received a satisfactory explanation over what Koot did in that game and why um, Everton's goalkeeper was not punished for the horrendous tackle he made on um, Van Dyke, uh, which ruptured Van Dyke's um, ACL. Uh, PGML official reason is that Coote was removed from the game not because Liverpool complained, but for operational reasons. But as as, uh, one of our podcast favourites, Gary Neville, uh, had said, um, it's very interesting that he has been taken away from that match um, in the context of Liverpool complaining about his VAR decisions in previous games and the PGMOL not giving a
1: satisfactory answer to what went wrong in that match. I kind of thought and hoped that operational reasons might have meant they had tonsillitis or something, Duncan, <laughs> which would have been much more practical than just uh, giving a kind of, very flimsy um, explanation. But however, I think we all know what's going on there. Before we move on uh, to the highlight of everyone's week, on the Transfer Window podcast, which, of course, is the Donkey Award. Uh, we want to give a mention to um, a friend in the podcast who is making his full managerial debut against Bristol City tomorrow, and that's Liam Risenier, um, who's been appointed as interim uh, shared joint coach with Wayne Rooney, uh, along with two other coaches. Um, in a very interesting uh, situation in Derby County, where uh, four people are charged with uh, the team responsibilities in the departure of Philip Koku. But also to mention as well that Liam Rossignor has been appointed to the FA's selection committee for the new chairman. Liam has been involved uh, for the last few months in terms of diversity and inclusion uh, at the FA. And... um, Liam gave an interview uh with To the Athletic uh this week, which if you've not read, and if you have access, then please do go read it. It's very interesting. Um Duncan, a, a young black coach um, who obviously has ambitions to be a top manager as well, and you know Liam um from his appearances on the Transwindow podcast. Um it's good to see the fact that he's got the opportunity now to showcase his talent as a manager and uh, see what he can produce.
0: Yeah, as he says in that interview with Dominic Fightfield, he's been preparing for this moment for 26 years. Um, so it tells a lovely story about how he... Just the 26 years. Yeah, and he's only 36. <laughs> he's, he's only, only 56, 36, yeah. um, Tells a lovely story about how he, his, his father, Leroy, asked him to to draw a picture of what he wanted to do when he grew up and he drew a picture of himself managing on the touchline, not being a football professional football player, which of course is what he ended up doing for the the first part of his sporting career. But yeah, very intelligent, very focused. You have to say he's got a big job on his hands there, um, Derby, bottom of the championship uh, just six points, one, game, one win so far this season, uh, and facing a potential um, deduction of points after the EFL challenged the decision of an independent adjudicatory panel not to um, impose a, an FFP penalty in Derby County earlier this season. Um and uh, quite a big job in his hands, but it's good to see he's involved in that process of appointing the next FA chairman. But I guess that means your recommendation for the job um, a couple of weeks ago is is out of the out of the uh, the picture now, given that you you suggested that uh, Leroy Resina, his father, would be the, the best choice <laughs> for FA chairman.
1: Indeed, indeed. Um, um. Yeah, I think there might be just a slight. And suggest some nepotism if Liam did suggest his dad for the job. Tiny
0: bit of conflict so, of interest there, yes.
1: Yeah, but listen, if Donald Trump can appoint his daughter to be whatever it is at the White House, <laughs> then why shouldn't Liam get his dad in as chairman? Uh, however, we'll leave that one to one side for the moment. And uh, good luck to Liam we'll Senior tomorrow um, in this match at Bristol City, where in fact, I um, coincidentally all began for him as well. So a nice story there. Um, So it's Friday's podcast and the donkey is about to be awarded. Um, We decided to honour Josie Mourinho and his first anniversary as coach of Tottenham Hotspur um, with an unusual donkey, which is the award to what Josie Mourinho would like as a present for his first anniversary in charge of Spurs. So let me just open the uh, golden envelope. As always. There he goes. We can all get... There we go. It's a difficult one, Duncan, Um, but I'm sure you'll manage to choose the right uh, nomination. Uh, (laughs) First of all... (laughs) <laughs> My personal favourite. <laughs> I have no idea who suggested this one. Um, that uh Spurs would beat Manchester City in the FA Cup final, leaving Pep Guardola with a trophy season and probably walking out in a massive huff and resigning. I'll leave that one there. The second one is that uh when the manager of the month uh which Amazingly, he does not seem to have won very much. And the third nomination is that the naming rights stadium at White Hart Lane, uh, which is not even White Hart Lane, renamed the José Mourinho Stadium by Daniel Levy in honour of great Portuguese man himself. <laughs> Duncan, okay. um, it's over to you. This,
0: this reminds me of a story a, a, a friend of Mourinho told me um, some time ago. He said he, he hated it when it was Jose's birthday um, because he had to get a present for his close friend um, and he'd, been, he'd known him since he was a kid and he'd been buying him presents since he was a kid. And as he put it, what do you buy the man who earns so much money he can buy whatever he wants? Uh, Cristiano
1: when- Ronaldo. <laughs> well, that's he, my guess
0: I think by that stage he probably had Cristiano Ronaldo probably as a player it was, it was it was going to happen but certainly this friend wouldn't have wouldn't have been able to afford to to, to purchase him um, the manager of the month award I think is definitely a good option here um, some remarkable statistics on that and something that Mourinho has publicly rumbled about um, the LMA manager of the month Jose Mourinho is 19th in the, the ranking of uh, managers who have won multiple LMA Manager of the Month awards. He has in his entire time in the Premier League, which he has, remember, won that um, league title three times. He has won just three Manager of the Month awards. What? Uh, yes, three. Um, a level he's, got with-
1: as many, he's got as many MOMs as he's got
0: titles. Yes. He also has as many Manager of the Month awards as such luminaries as Stuart Pearce um, and, uh, and Ronald Koeman, um, whose period in the English game wasn't one of the greatest. Uh, he lies behind individuals such as Joe Kinnear, Kevin Keegan. What? <laughs> Sam Allardyce has twice as many Manager of the Month awards That's as Mourinho.
1: understandable because Sam's a ledge.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Martin O'Neill has five more Manager of the Month awards than Jose Mourinho. And David Moyes has 10 um, compared to Mourinho's three. Uh, I don't think you can argue with number one in this list. Alex Ferguson, who has twenty-seven, followed by Wenger at fifteen. But David Moyes is the third most successful manager in the history of the Premier League LMA Award, according to the LMA Award. Um, but not, I would um, argue, according to his results, which have been good on the field. But um, I don't think they quite qualify they as third trophies, best.
1: Have any trophies? Has David Moyes go? <laughs> well, got? Well, apparently, got quite a lot of MIM Awards. So. Yes. <laughs> um. Naming Rice Lane
0: being called the Jose Mourinho Stadium, I think it's not hard to imagine that that would appeal greatly to uh, Jose Mourinho. But I think he'd probably sacrifice it for the, uh, the £20 million or more a year that uh, Daniel Levy hopes to bring in by selling Naming Rights to Naming Rights Lane and, uh, and having that spent on his squad. So I think the winner here has to be uh, end of the season FA Cup final, Guardiola versus Mourinho. Mourinho defeats Guardiola. Guardiola ends the season with no trophies and walks out of Manchester City in a half, pretty much as he did at Barcelona when Mourinho put together his uh, League of Records season at Real Madrid, took the title off that Barcelona team and the next day Pep Guardiola walked out of Camp now never to return, uh, at least to date. So yeah, I think, I think that one just pips the other alternatives for this, uh, for this award
1: let's revisit this um, at the end of the season and uh, maybe Duncan has been foretelling the future in this crystal ball uh, no please anyone to um, make references to Duncan's head uh, if you liked what you heard in today's podcast please leave a five star review on iTunes you can subscribe to the Transfer Window podcast on YouTube turn on all notifications, and of course, you will discover the next podcast immediately when you will be informed of its publication. Please join discussion with us as well uh, on at Transfer Podcasts on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. I'm on at gabosj Duncan's on at Duncan Castles. We love to get your views. We know that we engage with you, so please do that. All it me to say is uh, we wish you all a very good weekend. Be safe, stay well, and thanks for listening.